With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're getting right into it today. Yes. We got a hard out. Mm. We celebrated the Hall of Fame for you on Monday. No more. Yeah, stop doing that's that. That's it. All right. Why don't you like it? You're just, that's humility. I, I don't think it's humility as much as just a natural on, on the discomfort with being praised. Oh, really? Uh, here's the thing, though. We have to talk about the big topic of the day. Are okay. you... This is particularly unique to you. Are you team recline or no recline on planes? Well, I think there's pretty distinct rules. Yeah. I can dec- I can recline. I'm six ten. Yeah. If the person in front of me reclines, I might act like the guy in the video. Well, you don't need to recline because you're always in like a bulkhead seat, right? Because you have to be. Oh yeah, I, I find a, otherwise. I find a way to get the leg room. I would say if somebody reclines on me. I'm not going to be petty like the guy, but you're going to know my knees are there. Like you're going to be uncomfortable and it's just because they're well, there. Yeah. Yours is a thing of it's physically impossible to recline it because your knees are in the back of the chair. Here's the thing, right? The people that say, um, well, I, it should, it's built to recline. Therefore I should be able to recline. It was built to recline in like the 1970s when people had like three yards of leg room between each seat. Like airlines have been steadily stealing space inch by inch ever since. And now there isn't space to recline. Yeah, right. The other thing that had occurred to me before is that, A, I don't know that there's anything more American than being like, I paid for this seat. So screw you. I can recline if I want to. It's my personal right. That's an American thing. It really is like that kind of that level of, you know, personal right versus screw you. 
it's not a uniquely American thing, but you guys have like honed it to an art form. But what I, what it occurred to me is that your entire country was kind of founded by people that don't live within the rules. Well, they don't play nice with others. So your entire like society is what? built up just want some based freedom, off man. this. Just want some freedom. Right. You had a bunch of people that like, built no, I'm freedom. not, I'm not dealing with these rules. I'm heading off to the new world. See ya. And now that's your entire society. It's like, I don't care what the rules of the road are. I'm going to drive like an asshole because I can. That's, that's called freedom, Sam. Yeah. Where I come from. Uh-huh. All right. God bless America. Let's get to the <laughs> NFC team needs. We did the AFC. It's over in the archive. Go check it out. Um, it's on YouTube. If you're watching there, of course, it's in uh, wherever you guys are listening to the podcast right now. So AFC team needs in the books. Let's go through the NFC. We got a full breakdown over at PFF.com and we're going to go uh, compass style here starting in the NFC North. You, you got irrationally upset that the order of this article was compass. Yeah, I think point. I mean, if you open up the USA today and in every league, uh-huh. it just starts in the east and then it works its way to the west. Okay. That's just how you do it. You go and then every every now and again you flip it and say, "Okay, West, we'll put you first. Nobody starts in the North. I was listening to a podcast recently where somebody suggested that essentially a player north of 30 was not going to return to his best. Right. And one of the other guests on the podcast was just like irrationally butthurt by this suggestion, spent the next like 20 minutes, like throwing in sly digs about, well, that guy's over 30. It was just kind of funny how petty he got about it. That's kind of how I think you're going to go with this compass thing in the, uh, the directions here. Let's start with the NFC North, because that's how it is at PFF.com. That's how Ben Lindsay did it. We'll have a sit down with Ben and maybe reorder it for next time. Green Bay Packers, we said, Ben said, a secondary option in the passing game. And I think I completely agree with him. Aaron Rodgers, just like we talked about Brady, get get that guy some weapons. Yeah, and look, I'm not even sure that that fixes it. I think we've always assumed it's been this debate, which is the problem. What is the problem? Rogers or the scheme. Now the scheme changed and Rogers was still the same guy. So at least now we're sort of pointing towards Rogers, but there's always the mitigation of, well, he's only got Devonte Adams and even Adams missed time. And he just doesn't trust any of these other guys like the Brady thing, right? He doesn't trust any of them, but they've kind of thrown quite a lot at this at this point. Now, did they all not pan out or is there some degree of blame for Aaron Rodgers not actually helping these guys develop. They've all kind of like flashed some skills. Right. But I also don't think they're that good. Well, that's the thing. How much of it is them not being that good? And how much of it is Rodgers just doesn't trust that guy. So he's not giving them the chances. No, it's a fair, it's a fair question. So like if they do your, your thing in the draft this year and double up a receiver again, yeah, and now they've got like five guys that are all under the age of 25 and Rodgers doesn't trust any of them. Yeah, it's still Devonte Adams and no one else. Like I'm not expecting them to double up. I mean, they've, they're starting to, um, have some holes elsewhere. I think they've got some O-line issues that are, you know, they're going to have to address sooner rather than later. Linebacker, cornerback is another spot where you just continue to throw resources at, even though that's, they went through a, a multi, a, a phase a couple of years ago where they drafted a bunch of corners and a phase where they drafted a bunch of receivers, which I love. I like drafting in bulk. I like drafting those valuable positions where you just, they're tough to hit on, but you just put a lot of resource to it. So you at least hit on one or hit on two. Um, and they might have to do that again at corner and then linebacker has always kind of been a Packers issue, kind of like the giants. Yeah. For a while they, have, there. they haven't really had a good off or a good linebacker for quite some time. Just like a really good coverage linebacker in green Bay. That'd be nice. That's what they haven't had Yeah, for a while. But I think this point in Rogers career weapons, man, because when he trusts Devante, who is an awesome route runner and gets open, you know, he just peppers the ball his way and they move the chains. How soon? Do they start looking for a succession plan at quarterback? 
Always. I think you always do. Okay. So now. Now. Starting now. Fair enough. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with the guy there. It's just always look. He's and that's be always like, been a Packers theory. He's got to be like the same age as Brett Favre was when they drafted him, right? Now? Yeah. But like 37 is like the new 32, remember? Oh, of course. So yeah, it's okay. It's but yeah, I think uh, I think right now you start looking at the next quarterback. All right. In Green Bay. That's the Packers done. All right. Minnesota Vikings. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts here? Uh, they desperately need a cornerback that doesn't suck. Because don't. Really we said it differently one. here. Oh yeah, cornerbacks who can cover as well as the Vikings linebackers and safeties. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't have cornerbacks that are good, and the ones that they do have, they're okay. Are all hitting free agency, so they're stuck with Xavier Rhodes, who's been bad lately. Um, you have Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes. I think both free agents at this point. Yep. You might keep those guys around as like part of your core, but if they're in you, if they're honestly, if they're starting, it's probably an issue. If they're Number ones, you're screwed. Right. So they desperately need that. They also need a third wide receiver. It's amazing how hard they find to, to discover that when everyone else seems to be able to turn up slot receivers almost by accident. You think they weren't using, they didn't run a ton of three wide receiver sets. Yeah. You think that was based off personnel and obviously Thielen being hurt for a big chunk of it? Or do you think that's what their preference is with two pretty good tight ends and they, you know, they use a fullback because of the Kubiak scheme? I mean, I think it doesn't help. Um, th- I think. They probably don't. I think the scheme doesn't use many three wide receiver sets anyway, but they certainly weren't helped by the fact that they couldn't because their third uh, wide receivers weren't good. And honestly, it doesn't even need to be a slot guy because both Thielen and Diggs can play well from the slot. They just need a third option because a at some point, one of those guys probably going to miss some time. And B, even when they don't, you're going to rotate guys in enough that the third guy is going to get playing time, even if you don't run a ton of three wide receiver sets, you need someone better than Treadwell to be that third guy. The other, so the other thing too is, you know, because the, um, the nature of the league, we're always trying to see how other teams had success. Kyle Shanahan's the guy who had a ton of success running the ball and mixing things up. And he used all of his personnel, three receivers, four receivers, two tight ends, fullback. He used all of it. And if you are going to, if you are in that Shanahan Kubiak, you know, system, and you're looking for those added wrinkles, and you're looking to what Kyle did, it's those versatile wide receivers like a Debo, Debo Samuel that he brought in that kind of separated yeah. that scheme from the rest of them, which, you know, it's not just outside zone anymore. I mean, the other thing is, I think when you start looking at where the Vikings could use some help, I don't love the spot that this roster is in because you can make a pretty good case that they could upgrade four of the five offensive line spots, let alone depth. You can make a case they pretty desperately need some interior defensive line help. Um, those guys, A, aren't what they were, Linval Joseph, and B, they don't really have that three-tech, you know, dominant pass rusher. That could be upgraded as well. Like, they, this roster all of a sudden has quite a lot of holes in it. Reminds me a little bit, I always make this comparison, but the Eagles right before their Super Bowl run, where they're totally, they're, overall the roster was good, but they were weak in some some serious spots. spots. A little bit like kind of the, like the way the Texans are, where it's like overall the roster is good, but they're weak in some, you know, not-so-nice spots. So, um, and also, I, you know, at some point you need to look at what happens beyond Kirk Cousins. Do you think how? So, yes, he's got one year left, technically. So right. you either are you going to lock him up? Are you going to um, look for the next guy? And he's going to want like all of the money in the world. So if yeah. you're going to lock him up, you have to bear in mind that you're talking about like a 40 million dollar quarterback. He's which gonna, is nuts. Of course, because he's like, we're down to touchdowns. I got to get that next contract. Let me just check down, save the passer rating. He's yeah. got it. He's still got that. I mean, he's he going through his brain. so it's. 
he's going to be he's going to end his career kind of like Darrell Rivas in terms of that dude was a master at maximized every last dollar every dollar yes Cousins is on that trajectory and he's going to end his career with like the best contract history in in the NFL and this next step is like how you break that you go no look I'm not paying you you know what I think is frustrating for a fan base is when you Kirk Cousins (laughs) Kirk Cousins can be frustrating for a fan base I think it's when you like the the Vikings are known as the team that just drafts a million defensive backs, and here they are in serious need of defensive backs. Mm. Right? I feel like that's frustrating because if you, I have no problem with doing that, but it's like when you're known for that and you do put a lot of resources to it, and then it, it eventually becomes a need again. Clearly, the rest of your other parts of your roster must be depleted because along the way you neglected yeah. them, and then you still have this need that you always seem to attack. That's where I don't love the way the, where the Vikings are from a roster standpoint. I mean, I would think any time anytime you consistently throw a lot of resources at a position in the draft and miss and can't get, you know, still it's still a need, it must be frustrating as hell. Chargers align. Right, Chargers align. I mean, the Vikings have done it on the offensive line. The Vikings did it before with edge rusher. Remember, they drafted right. one in the first round for like four straight they years. Did. Couldn't find one. Ended up having a trade for Jared Allen to fix it. Yeah. Like, and, you know, th- there's a ton of these situations throughout the league where you just either you're bad at evaluating that position or you've just been unlucky in the draft because it still remains something of a crapshoot and you have to try and fix it a different way. All right, let's move on to the Chicago Bears. Their biggest need, Sam? Uh, a quarterback that isn't Mitchell Trubisky. Having said that, yeah. I think so. I, I think they can fix that without the draft. I don't think the draft is... Well, A, they don't have the draft picks to do it. Right. Um, but B, I think there's a couple of options in free agency that are really intriguing for the Chicago. They are... What do you like the most for the Bears? With honestly, all the free agents or the potential trades with... That, so that includes Cam Newton and Andy Dalton. Right? Honestly, I love... Tom Brady for the Bears. What? Yeah. I've been thinking about this recently, and it keeps making more and more sense to me. I, so the Bears, I think, are actually in a, in a slightly different spot. of the Vikings. I think they have a better roster overall. And the thing that's holding the bank is that Mitchell Trubisky is their quarterback. You put Tom Brady in that offense, I'm more convinced than ever than his problems last year were nobody getting open. You put Brady in that offense with A, reasonable offensive line not amazing but he'll make it look better b some receivers he can get open Allen robinson was constantly open they've got other guys that can separate c um like matt Nagy's offense last year was bad but a lot of that was because he had to idiot proof it for trubisky and apparently he was a better idiot than the idiot proof offense so you get Nagy back to like running the thing he wants to run with brady i, I like that and the defense is still pretty good mm-hmm so Brady of the Bears. Brady of the Bears. I also kind of like Dalton. I think Dalton makes some sense. But trade is tougher because you don't have the capital, right? You, you're in right. the same spot with that as you are with the draft. I, I also don't see them moving on from Mitchell Trubisky. Well, so the problem think, is they're, st- they're definitely stuck with him there, right? So I think if they're going to do it, it needs to be a relatively low rent option. So that's what makes the Brady thing tough. Bridgewater, intriguing because... I don't know what his contract cost will be, but he might be cheap enough that you could kind of make that happen. Here's the tricky part, right? The human element of this. Trubisky is the guy that turned off the TVs that were criticizing him yeah. in the locker room and all that stuff. If there's even a hint that they're looking at them, I mean, there are some big name free agents, many of which, right, all but, of which are better than Mitch Trubisky, yes. right? There's some big names. If, if, if word even gets out that they're flirting with one of these guys. Oh, he's done. But at that, I mean, he's done anyway. They just might not know it. Like he doesn't know it, but he's like, so I was on Bears radio yesterday, right? 
one of the questions he asked was, is Mitchell Trubisky salvageable? To which I, my literal verbatim answer was, uh, no. So, and that's the problem. So he's already a dead man walking, right? You, you don't. But you don't avoid bringing in somebody because it might make Trubisky broken. He's already oh, I, broken. I agree. You know what might be the best thing they could do? They need what happened to Tennessee to happen, right? I, you bring in someone. Bring in Mario. There you go. They needed to bring in a backup who then, once you're six games in, it's like, this is a disaster. We have to bench this guy who comes in and redeems himself. Mariota. So he, he does to Trubisky what Tannehill did to him. Trubisky plays so bad in the first six games, you have to throw in Mariota, and suddenly in a better environment, he kind of looks okay. Done. Fixed. Yeah. Next. No, I'm, I'm with you on the Mariota thing. I, I, the Brady thing is intriguing because it's, I don't know if they're really being talked about a whole lot. It's not. Because they don't have flashy playmakers other than Al, like Allen Robinson's awesome. Right. But I think Brady could make the rest of those guys work, like him and Tariq Cohen. And of course, remember free agency. The you know they've got yeah, and they've got to add to it. Right, they could add to it. That is an intriguing potential option. And then rounding out the NFC North, the Detroit Lions. There's a lot of rumors that they were going to trade Matthew Stafford. The cap hit is just enormous (laughs) to do that. So I don't see that happening. Uh, We talked about a secession plan for Darius Slay at cornerback. I just think it's cornerback in general. You talk about trying to find something year over year trying to find the cornerback opposite Darius Slay has been quite elusive for the Lions the tease Tabor experiments over Justin Coleman's been solid in the slot the Rashad Mel- Rashad Melvin's of the world I mean they just haven't had even Coleman got lit up yeah I mean he's basically from the moment he made that crazy play where he punched the ball out at the goal line to save a touchdown where he was kind Chiefs, of before yeah Chiefs game right from that point on he and he's he come it. back down to earth right, right. But we had like a year plus of like decent play from him. But either way, the cornerback situation outside of Slay has been uh, pretty dire in Detroit. I don't know that there's much on this roster that couldn't use an upgrade. Um, I think uh, Ouarier might work out as that second corner. I think he showed some potential. There's just not enough there to bank on him being. No, I mean you would add in the mix. Even if he, even if he does, you would add a third guy, right? Because even if he turns out to be a viable starter and a good option opposite Slay, you're probably going to look at Slay's successor anyway. Like either way, you're adding another corner at some point. But I think there's a decent chance he could be the other starter and be good. Um, But honestly, like, is there a single thing on this roster that you look at and go, they're set there? No, I mean, I think the receiver position is good is is pretty good yeah but you're not like Danny Amendola right he's is he free agent again um I mean it's Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay but there's there's always room to add two pass catchers um you got TJ Hawkins at a tight end like they've got a pretty good group of playmakers um even though they've built this roster to be a, a run-stopping team mm. um but they could always upgrade their pass rush situation even though they brought in Trey Flowers last year cornerback's been an issue and their linebackers, another place where they've invested a lot. Best young duo in the NFL. Ugh, they have not had the best return, despite what some around the league think. Mm. <laughs> uh, some people are nuts. Don't name names. I didn't, though. I didn't name a name. I just said some people nice. are nuts. Um, last year's second round pick. What's his face there? What's his face? Um, Jelani Tavai. Yeah. He, was, he was one of those. Remember, you know how there's always one of those picks? That Belichick makes in like the, the one that like th- nobody else is thinking about for yeah. like the next day. Now Jelani Tavai was the guy. Nobody was going to draft him in the second round except Belichick and all of his disciples. <laughs> the linebacker from Hawaii. He had a sixty point five grade last year. Again, like okay, solid, okay, whatever. 
But him and Jared Davis, like for a second round pick, not what you want. And he's more of like a Kyle Van Noy type, who's also a free agent. Could actually, I could see Van Noy actually going back to Detroit mm-hmm. now that he's um, in the Patriots role, has experience in that system, and Matt Patricia's worked with him, and, and then they slot him in there into that hybrid role that that system loves. But um, I don't know that Tavai was a great pick in the second round paired with uh, Jared Davis. So linebacker, yeah. an issue in Detroit. Now we're going to the east, north, and now over to the east. Yes. NFC East, Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. How have the Eagles needed wide receivers and cornerbacks for like the last decade? Well, we said, and I don't, I still don't think we were wrong. We said that they had the best receiving core in the NFL coming in on paper to the season. Yeah. And the, I, I was one of the guys that fought for it. Yeah. I fought for it because I think Deshaun Jackson's been a cheat code for over 10 years. Well, to be fair, none of the people no, that we thought were yeah. good were playing by the end of the season. I thought it was a great combination of Deshaun Jackson, deep threat, cheat code. Yeah. All Sean Jeffrey, big bodied receiver. Nelson Aguilar, who now looking back has really only had that one good year yes. in the slot. We thought, oh, maybe you move him to the slot and that's what re- rejuvenated his career. But yeah, he's but also, not really caught the ball consistently. Right. And you've got to bear in mind that. So he is Nelson Aguilar is one of those players, I think, who is affected by everything else more than other people. Right. So as soon as you start to remove all of the threats from the outside, suddenly he gets worse because he's more of a focal point. Mm -hmm. But again, he missed time as well. The only one I think that we were definitely like flat out wrong about from the get go was J.J. Arcega Whiteside, who didn't hit the ground running in a way that you might have expected, given what we saw from his college tape. Yeah, and uh, that doesn't mean he won't be good in year two and beyond. But like he was the one where I thought we expected him to sort of add some value over the course of the year. Really didn't. I, I thought that was the added piece. Like, OK, yeah. he's the number four. I didn't even get to mention Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, the tight ends, probably you know the best tight end duo right. in the NFL. And then he adds Arcega Whiteside, and it's like, all right, you know, Carson Wentz is going to throw to these big-body dudes in the red zone. He's got a deep threat. He's got a slot. He's got everything. And then they all got hurt. So they still need that field-stretching wide receiver, as we say in the piece here. And they still need cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. And oh. Eagles fans were very angry at me last year when I, you know, gave them a corner in the mock draft. fans are just always angry. All fan bases. No, I mean, they're like one of them. Anyway, I... I thought last year they had a whole bunch of question marks at corner. A bunch of young guys, young guys who had had, you know, some flashes or whatever, but they still needed to add bodies there. And clearly they still need to add bodies at cornerback and safety. So they didn't have anybody at the, in, at the cornerback position grade above 70 in coverage. Um, and they had three different players grade below 50. So, yeah, that's a problem. Ronald Darby was a big disappointment. I liked the contract. It was one year. It was a, it was take a shot on a guy that coverage grade of 41. Yeah, he was terrible. Um, and then the other guys, you know, Rasul Douglas, Avante Maddox, Jalen Mills. You could point to all of those guys having stretches of good play and stretches of poor play, which is why we said, OK, continue to add to this position. So here they are still needing cornerbacks and even safeties. Anybody that can cover in the back seven. Yeah. For the Eagles. Dallas Cowboys. Mm. This is an interesting way that we slotted this. Just sign your best free agents. That's your big <laughs> need. Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Byron Jones. Well, yeah, I mean, using, sorry, real quick, using PFF war wins above replacements, the three most valuable Cowboys last season. Yes. Um, and at the very minimum, it sort of defines everything, right? It's this is your off season. You have these players hitting free agency and 
losing them or retaining them determines what you're looking at, right? Like if you if you don't re-sign Dak Prescott, like that changes everything. If you I don't think they will. Yeah, I mean, I think Dak at the very minimum gets franchised, right? There's no, no. way he hits the open market. But Amari Cooper, like if you don't sign Amari Cooper, you all of a sudden need to replace a number one wide receiver, particularly because we've seen Dak Prescott not thrive when he doesn't have a number one wide receiver. And then similarly, Byron Jones, if you don't retain him, you need to add a cornerback pretty quickly because he is a good quality starting cornerback. So those two things, I mean, yeah, those two things, three, if you count Prescott, define your offseason. And then, you know, you've got some other needs down the line. You can fill like tight end, D line, whatever. You can add some um, pieces here and there, but like that's everything. They have the cap space to, to take care of all that. I mean, it's not a major issue. So, it, but it's again, thinking about like where the fan base is, the biggest moves you need to make here are just, you know, remi- you know, status quo. Yeah. Keeping status quo. In Dallas, most fans go into the offseason and it's like, all right, this is the time we get to get better. And you and you feel good about, OK, all this is coming back or you have like one guy you might have to resign or whatever. Cowboys fans are going like, just bring these three guys back and then they're still going to want to bring more in from a talent standpoint. But even if they just retain these guys, Dallas, you know, the they had a little bit of, you know, they were they were one of the unluckier teams around the NFL based off how they played and where their record ended up easily could have been a 10 or 11 win team so and they've got not that far away they've got some spots that could be filled by sort of players that were drafted for the future like i'm intrigued by tristan hill not just because he was a guy i liked coming out but he was clearly a he was a surprise draft pick like the belichick stuff right but b it was like he was very clearly drafted for this year not last year yeah right. right like he was drafted for the 2020 season played like a hundred twenty one yeah, snaps hundred and something snaps so i mean we think yeah they, they've got a hole in the interior but they presumably think that's going to be filled with hill now maybe they're wrong maybe they're right but that's that's a, an addition that we sort of that's penciled in right they already think that they fill that spot whether they have or not is up for debate this is what makes team building so difficult right they traded their first round pick last year for amari cooper who's awesome you know he's the numbers that dak put up with amari cooper versus without him were like night and day Right. The offense became much better. And we kept saying, like, Dak hasn't played that much better. He just has more people to throw to. Therefore, the production looks better. But because of that, you didn't have a first round pick last year. Your second round pick is Tristan Hill. who was a red shirt pick. Was a red. Right. So then it feels like Amari Cooper. Great. But then we didn't have, a you know, a first or second round pick mm-hmm. added to the mix. And that is difficult. Right. From, a, you know growing in other parts of your team um, because you had to invest the first in Amari. Yep. Um, but, you know, they, they can bring all those guys back. And I think that's a fair and I think they should place to start. I mean, is there anybody on that list that you think they shouldn't resign? No. I mean, obviously, we think they should have resigned one of these guys before they resigned Zeke. Yeah. I mean, the only one, the Dak Prescott one is the one that's going to be problematic because he appears to want monster money. And... It's kind of in that spot, almost like the old Alex Smith contract, where it's like you kind of have to just, he's got the leverage, right? You kind of have to just give him what he wants because the alternative is you let him walk and you can't really do that, can you? With, without like a clear succession plan, which they don't have. Now, there's an argument that if you franchise tag him, draft a quarterback, 
the situation should still be really good with a great offensive line, good receiving weapons, defense, Zeke Elliott, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to ask yourself, like, how close to Dak Prescott's production can any old randomer come? Well, the only way to make that work, the advantage of having the first contract quarterback is to be able to spend money elsewhere. Right. They already have enough money to bring all these guys in anyway. So how much can you actually bring? They'd have to bring in the top three free agents, draft like a Justin Herbert in the first round. But even I think, yeah, it's not that you would necessarily get massively better by doing it. But there's I think some teams get locked into this sort of matter of principle when it comes to paying guys. It's like we just don't think you are this valuable. Therefore, regardless of the fact that we don't really need to save that money right now, we just don't want to pay you that. We don't think you're worth it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's got to be a better team building explanation but also i don't know that i don't know that it's necessarily the wrong way of thinking because although you don't need the money right now like no i know you might need two years time you might suddenly find yourself with a massive like you know somebody breaks his hip and now you need to replace a significant player i like the Derek Carr contract you pay for a couple years but he's yeah but but he's not going to accept that right that's the problem so you you're sort of stuck with he's got all the leverage there you're either stuck with saying all right we just have to pay him 40 million a year or you say, I think we can get to 85% of Dak's production with a random rookie that we take. Well, how much? So, look, I, as I, I, Dak had the best season production-wise that he's ever had. Yeah. But, again, I posed the question before the season, if he has a great year, is this him or is it Kellen Moore? And I thought Kellen Moore did a great job putting him in position, plus Amari Cooper, plus uh, the emergence of uh, Michael Gallup, mm-hmm. right? So... I still think Dak is, I throw the term around a lot, he's a mid-tier quarterback that can put up this top-notch production. Right. And so also, do, you want to repl- do you want to pay a mid-tier quarterback knowing you have to have Amari, you have to have a Gallup, you probably need to have another receiver and this to is, extract that production This is a really intriguing group of sort of available quarterbacks. Like, how much better is Dak than Dalton or Teddy? Like, there are guys in that mid-tier that are coming available that he might be better than, but again, like, in terms of costs versus... Trade-off. Cost yeah. versus reward. Like, how close are those guys coming to his production at a significantly cheaper dollar point? Yeah, I, I don't know if it, well, Dalton, I wouldn't put in that mix. That's the. I mean, he's been there though, right? 2015, when he had the weapons around him and he had the offensive line, that was the best Dalton we'd ever seen. That was kind of borderline top 10, which was which similar is, to Dak. Right, which is in that ballpark. And he does that at what, 20 million a year versus 40. It's half the price. Yeah. I just feel like I've seen Dak not, you know, in. In must win or must pass situations, perform a little bit better than some of those other guys. Right, and I agree. I trust I think, him more than a Teddy or than. A I Dalton. think he is a little bit better, but the question is: Is he twice the money better? No, I understand. I get it. Maybe grab one of those guys and still invest in the draft. Man, yeah. it's really t- it's really tough to build a team being when you're just it's all it's all, it all starts and ends with your quarterback situation. Right, and everyone wants to act like these are all like no-brainer decisions, but they're no, not. They're tough. Like, I they're, mean, you should you should run through all these potential scenarios. Unless you have a Patrick Mahomes, there are no there aren't easy decisions when it comes to this stuff. Like yeah, it's I think on the balance of probabilities you should probably re-sign Dak because he's quite good and you've yeah. got a team capable of winning right now. But given what he wants, like he knows you should do that. He wants 40 million a year. I mean, do you still want to re-sign him for that? Because that's starting to put questions in there. We're two years removed from Dak. Dak's 2017 and 18. Weren't good. He wasn't a top 15 quarterback right. in the NFL by our numbers. So he's got two years in the top 10 from our grading and from a production standpoint, and two years barely 20th. Mm-hmm. And I think that shows his 
volatility and dependence on on what's around him. Uh, New York Giants. This says a reliable edge rusher, but it's pretty much the entire defense, right, Sam? Uh, yes. They again. This is like they drafted a lot of cornerbacks, right? And they're very young. So, are we ready to give up on them yet, or do we wait a little while? They might be in a spot where they threw a lot of resources at exactly what we talked about before. They've thrown resources at it. It didn't work. They still have a need there. On the other hand, they might just have a lot of young players that haven't, you know, hit the ground running yet. Yeah, I liked I liked the strategy that they had to throw a ton of resources at corner. And that's the tough thing about being in our spot as analysts right now. I liked their strategy, knowing that it might not work out. Like, mm-hmm. like there's a it's high reward. You know, with some risk to it, too, because they invested so much and they might not get any good corners out of that huge group. I mean, I think overall the defense needs help, right? right. You almost couldn't choose a wrong position depending on what, you know, the where you are value-wise in the draft. Um, I also think they need desperately offensive line help. And again, that's one of those scenarios where they've, they've kind of thrown some resources at this. You know, they took Nate Solder on a massive contract. They brought in Mike Remmers. There's still nobody on that line that's, what, better than average? Yeah, the tackle situation isn't great. I don't know. I mean, they're kind of stuck with Solder, especially. Right? Right. But again, you've got to, I would look to the draft, right? Those guys can be upgraded upon even if you're going to have to eat some money to do it. What about just weapons for Daniel Jones? I mean, if there's, look, Daniel Jones this season showed he's going to take some chances down the field and and give his guys opportunities to make plays. Mm Mm-hmm. Darius Slayton did some nice things. Golden Tates did, did some nice things. I mean, I don't think they're in a terrible spot in terms of weapons. They just, they had a similar problem to the Eagles and that none of them were healthy at the same time. It's just so tempting. Like I think when you have a receiver class like this, Oh, sure. I'm not that saying don't Jones do will attack down the field yeah. and you can get a legit speed or big bodied receiver. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying that I wouldn't say that's one of their biggest needs. You look, I mean, I think the, the combination of Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, um, Sterling Shepard and uh, Evan Ingram. I don't know that they played a single snap together yeah. at the same time last season. So if you just get all those guys on the field at the same time, that's a pretty good looking core. Now that doesn't mean that like a Jerry Judy wouldn't change it and make, you know, be a well worthwhile pick at the top of the draft and transform everything. I just wouldn't say that that's your biggest need when you consider that the defense is pretty garbage and the offensive line doesn't have many players that can block. Yeah, they they made some. The tough part is they made some decent moves as far as getting good players. Remember, I have to rethink my draft good players shirt. Yeah, like Dexter what are you Lawrence doing now. Draft valuable players. Oh, huh. might, might just cross it off. I mean, so Dexter Lawrence became a pretty good interior defensive lineman. They bring in Leonard Williams. I mean, they shored up their run defense. Great. <laughs> Kevin Zeiler came in and was a very good guard. Right. I mean, they they did some things. Mm-hmm. To make their team better, but their holes are in the most important spots. I st- are there upgrades? You know, you don't want to have bad tackles. Is this guy, is he giving that to you? Is that to you? Yeah. Why That's basically you? my mentions for the last week. Angry Why? Bills What's fans. that about? Angry uh, Bills fans, yeah. For saying that Baker Mayfield sucked last year and was still better than Josh Oh, they're Allen. still responding to that? Oh, yeah. Jeez, that's a podcast into itself. Unto itself. I don't want to be on that one. Um, anyway, the Giants needing continued you know upgrades at cornerback and edge rusher and tackle and receiver and having like pretty decent guards and interior defensive linemen not the best place to be from a roster standpoint well they did that old cliche of you build from the inside out only you, the it's more just, information that surfaces that appears to be almost the exact opposite of the way you should what be you doing. want to do no 
Yeah. Baseball, you do. Yeah. I mean, well, right up the middle. You might have, it might have been the right thing to do in football 20 years ago, but it really isn't now. No, certainly not. All right. Wrapping up the East, Washington Redskins running mates for Terry McLaurin and Quentin Dunbar were the statements made by Ben here. And Dunbar is a free agent, I think, right? So they need, actually might need to keep him around and add running mates for him. Or yeah. replace him completely. Either way, Dunbar is kind of a, a small sample size of, of really good. So sure. I, I just think their entire secondary needs help. Yeah. Um, Terry McLaurin, you know, people throw the term, is he a true number one and all that stuff? I mean, either way, having another guy to take the pressure off Terry McLaurin, no matter how you classify him. True number one to me has always been an idiotic term. I don't, I don't understand why it matters. Who cares? I think, I mean, so like with Juju Smith, uh, Smith Schuster. Yeah. I think. It's a valid discussion. If he's the if he's a, if he has a running mate that is attracting more attention, then it's like all right, this dude can catch eighty passes and go over a thousand yards and be really productive for us. If he's your go to guy, is he capable of winning in all situations? I think it's just are you capable of winning in all situations? So, that means get open, short, intermediate, deep. It doesn't have to be Julio Jones prototype like this dude six three route runner yeah. speed can do it all. But it's can you get open everywhere? Okay, so can you no get matter open, what's thrown at you? Can you get open everywhere and do it without uh, without help around you? If that is the question, then the answer with regard to Terry McLaurin is yes. Okay, so Move then he on. could do that. But if he had another guy that helps. could do that, yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, you know, just have more options. You know me; I'm a big big fan of throwing playmakers at it, throw corners at it, and the Redskins are still in that situation. Offensive line is, has been turned over the last couple of years from good gone from good to bad. Yeah, I mean, Trent Williams, the, that saga that didn't situation help. Um, didn't help at all. Brandon Sheriff's a free agent. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, question marks in Washington. Tight end as well. I mean, that's another weapon to be added. Uh, Jar- or, who am I thinking of? Somebody read. What's his first name? Why can't I think Jordan Reed. Name? Jordan Reed. There you yeah. go. I knew it began with a J. I was like, Jared Reed? That's not right. No. Jordan Reed. Um, Jaron, the defensive tackle for the Seahawks. That's not even the, that's a different name. Oh, I you said Jared? Guy. Yeah. Kalen? Um, I, so read, 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 read is Just say the last name pretty extensive injury history at this point, And they're not going to be able to rely on him going forward. Um, they need an upgrade there as well. I mean, basically they just need weaponry on the, on offense because they're going to be, st- I mean, they have bought in to Dwayne Haskins or at least the owner has bought into Dwayne Haskins. Therefore, everybody else needs to buy into Dwayne Haskins and surround the guy with some weapons. Don't you see how tough it is when you don't have the ability to remember names? No, the top notch elite quarterback. Oh, you know, for years, if Brady, Breeze or Rogers, now Mahomes, whatever, if they have a lesser supporting cast, you're like, all right, we're still going to we're still going to produce on the offensive side of the ball. Our analysis for every team, Dak, weapons, Daniel Jones, all these guys, Wentz, all these. It's like if they don't have three legitimate weapons to spread the ball to, you might not be able to get that high-end production that you need to make the playoff run or even to, or to make a Super Bowl run or to make whatever the you know realistic goal is for your team. There's like one quarterback left in the league that can get stuff done with regardless of who the weapons are, and it's Mahomes. And he's in the best system in the NFL. Correct. One of the best systems in the but NFL even if he with some of the best playmakers. I think, he is, I think he's transcendent to the point where it doesn't matter who you put out there. He's 
Maybe yeah, no, I, I agree. But having now, Tyreek Hill, having Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. Yes, sure. And, I mean, that's, that's what makes him, you know, MVP and beyond like touchable. Right. But Tom Brady used to be a guy that could elevate everybody to the point where it didn't matter who his receivers were. He's yep. no longer at that level. Peyton Manning, I think, could have done it. He's retired. Right. Ryan Rogers, we've seen can't do it because he's he's got Devontae Adams and nobody else. And that's a problem. There's no one left. Everybody else needs help. Lamar Jackson was different when you added in the speedster that could take the top off the defense. Everybody else needs some. Russell Wilson actually might be in that category. Yeah, everybody else that a bit, needs yeah. help. And Lamar, I would say, let's see it for another year. But it's like that you could build. You've built a system around him that doesn't, on paper, have the best playmakers, but they yeah, do I mean, play to his skill set. These really guys well. can all be good, but I, I mean, Mahomes definitely and Wilson, yeah, maybe are at that level where it almost doesn't matter who the receivers are. All right. Speaking of receivers, we're talking about the New Orleans Saints now as we move to the South. And we're saying add another receiver there as well because you have Michael Thomas, you have Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield. But man, Breeze is also at that point where it's like, okay, you don't have to throw 200 targets Michael Thomas's way. It'd be nice if you had someone else to throw to. Yeah. And, you know, I think they've got a couple of... This offense has always been kind of weird with Drew Brees and that they have been able to... They've always been able to get it done to an extent without a, num- a true number one, right? Until Michael Thomas came along, and then he is that guy. And they've always done it by having sort of defined roles within the receiving core, right? Yeah, like a Devery Henderson. Right, you're the deep threat. Yeah. You go deep. And then, you know, Robert Meacham for a couple of years, and Ted Ginn is the deep threat guy. And then, you know, you're the bubble screen guy, and Michael Thomas is the possession guy. And for a while, that was Marcus Colson being the slot possession guy. They used Reggie Bush really well. Right. They've always had, they've sort of got around this idea of having a bunch of studs by having defined role players and, and being able to spread the ball around that way. Um, so, I kind I don't know how much I agree with that. I I think this is all as long as this system stays intact and Breeze is there. I don't know that they actually need. Now look, you can you add a guy of Michael Thomas's caliber. It's always a good thing, right? Well, but I don't know how much they need to do that versus attacking a couple other spots. I think this all changes. They don't need any more weapons. If Taysom Hill's the quarterback, oh wow, Taysom Hill, huh? So. The Taysom Hill thing is interesting, right? There is no greater hype man on the planet than Sean Payton has been for Taysom Hill. He should be out there working for the UFC, selling the next great blockbuster fight, because that dude has been hyping up Taysom Hill. We should get him selling some PFF right. elite products like nothing and else. everything. He was comparing him to Steve Young during the season. Now, oh, that's a wait till wait till Sean gets PFF IQ in his hands. Then he'll be telling everybody how great it is. Yeah, he's talking about. So now he's talking about Taysom Hill as his franchise quarterback. Right. But the guy is a restricted free agent. And let's just say there are there are potential motivations behind that that might not make his analysis honest. But he was saying the same things like in the middle of the season to in production meetings when there was no benefit to it whatsoever, unless he's playing like a year and a half long game to try and get someone to throw a first-round pick at him. Six-dimensional. Which would be really impressive dedication to the bit. But anyway. Trying to lure Belichick into uh, making a restricted free agent offer. Right. I mean, I think right now that's what he's trying to do is get somebody to do it, right? But the point is, he's been doing this for a long time. It it would be really impressive if he had that kind of foresight and dedication to this. I think he really believes it. That's where I'm... So, yeah. What I'm getting at is... A couple of things. One, I'm kind of intrigued by the idea of a Taysom Hill offense, right? 
I don't know that it wouldn't be successful. Here's here's the thing. Here, people said, okay, when when Breeze went down, Taysom Hill only threw one pass. That tells the entire story. Yeah, I'm going to look at it the other way. You still have Drew Breeze on your team, and four, five, eight, ten times per game, you choose to take the ball out of his hands to put it into Taysom Hills. That is absurd. Unless you truly believe in the guy. I have a theory for you. So, um, the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson. They started Joe Flacco. And in the background, in the basement, in the skunk works of the Ravens facility, they built this Lamar Jackson offense on the quiet. And then when they eventually made the switch, they threw in uh, Lamar to a completely different offense. It was like the thing Joe was running in the trash, gone. Lamar is your playbook. This is your offense now. And it's it's good, right? It's bespoke. It's custom to him. And it functions in a way it wouldn't have done if Joe Flacco was your quarterback. So I was kind of thinking about this. I was like, what would a Taysom Hill offense have to look like? Because clearly it wouldn't be the same one Drew Brees is running. Right. And it occurred to me that it would look a lot like the plays they run when Taysom Hill comes in and plays quarterback. But without Drew Brees just taking up space playing receiver. Right. It's always been weird to me that when they do that. They kind of have Taysom Hill in this wildcat situation. And then Drew Brees is out there in the Mark Sanchez role playing left wide receiver, just standing there. Well, you have to do arms that. crossed watching it. You have to do that for, from a personnel standpoint, because Taysom Hill actually lines up at H back and fullback sure. and tight end. But right. They're running all these things that actually become five times harder to more to defend if Drew Brees is a receiver yeah, or I an know. actual guy that's a threat. Right. They're running this kind of read option stuff, the RPO stuff. And they're isolating Drew Brees in space against like a corner who's playing 10 yards off because of what they're doing. There's a whole bunch of these like RPO heavy plays that I honestly think if you just swap Brees for a receiver, like that's hard to stop. What if Sean Payton has been building the Taysom Hill offense in plain sight and test driving it while having Brees on the field so that nobody thinks it's a thing? Now Brees retires this is just the offense now, only instead of Breeze, it's like Traquan Smith, who can take a bubble screen and beat a guy for 20 yards, and this is the offense. So, you think Breeze is, I mean, that is that, that's dependent on Breeze retiring, right? Yes. This would be the greatest long play coaching mastermind job in NFL history. Getting them some reps. Building the offense on the quiet and actually test driving it in live games. It didn't work well until this year. It wasn't even that good in 2018. Worked pretty well. well look, this that's year. what I'm saying, right? It's never going to be great because Drew Brees is like taking up space as a position, wasting a position. Interesting theory, Sam. Mm-hmm. Interesting theory. I do think he truly believes in Taysom Hill. So I honestly don't know that he's wrong in terms of, I mean, the Steve Young thing is nuts, but like, I don't know that he's crazy in terms of saying that this guy could be a viable quarterback if you built an offense like that around him. Well, we've, we've lost all nuance to this discussion. Yeah. You're either telling me he's a superstar and he's Steve Young or LOL, you idiots. He's not. Right. I mean, like now look, somewhere in between. The guy's hardly thrown any passes, right? So the problem with, you can look at preseason where they actually have him playing quarterback as opposed to gimmick. And okay, it's with the second team and against second team. So it's, it's not like for like, and it's vanilla D blah, blah, blah. Right. But he's actually kind of played. Okay. He has one game where he was lights out. Yeah. But he's played, he's played okay as a preseason quarterback. He he's got the ability to throw. He's got incredible athleticism. The, I think teams are going to be more willing now to build a custom offense around a player because of what happened in Baltimore this season. 
my okay. thing is he yeah. had a ninety three point eight game where he was just unstoppable. And he was, was eighty seven point three overall. This they were the season. two most like they're the two preseason games that actually matter. If right. you know, if you think yeah. any preseason game matter, the thing that I don't get is like, why would you bother? Like, I think I think you could build an offense around him and he could be good in it, but that's a lot of hassle for that kind of projection. Why wouldn't you like? Why? The guy's thirty. And he hasn't had a good season since 2014. Like, why would, why? Why would you build around Taysom Hill? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, so there's a theory that Belichick is ready when he moves on that he's going to get a completely different type of quarterback. Because yeah. first off, how do you find it? And so is Sean Payton doing the same thing? Because how do you even find another Tom Brady or Drew Brees? How do you find a guy? How do you find guys at that level? The accuracy, the decision making, the smarts, all that stuff. Been in the same system for 10 plus years, all of that. How do you even duplicate that? So do you just say, you know, plus plus a lot, like Belichick is a defensive coach. Mm-hmm. What's the most difficult thing to defend? It's when, you know, mobile quarterbacks and scrambling and guys that just put you in a bind. Defensive coaches especially think like that. Like, what do I hate to defend? Mobile quarterbacks hate that. I, that's what I want. Yeah. Now, Sean Payton's not a defensive coach, but you sit in there as an offensive mind thinking, man, I can, I can only scheme up passing plays for Drew Brees. I could have a whole set of new plays where it's run pass option and all these different things that we could do. We could do a whole new slew of things. And here's the thing for all the stuff that we said about Lamar Jackson, we said not an accurate quarterback, but the skill set that you could build an offense around. That's the thing, right? Like coaches kind of like that challenge. Like here's Lamar Jackson. He has some weaknesses. I don't know. They do. They did. They, I think they're starting to now because of what that's done. They don't like it, but here's, but they went and they said, here are some weaknesses from Lamar Jackson that we're going to try to hide, accentuate his strengths yeah. and go. But my point is more, you're not going to replace Drew Brees with another Drew Brees. On the other hand, they won five games with Teddy Bridgewater this year. So like, true. Why wouldn't you just take it, you know, take the better quarterback conventionally and, you know, boost his ability rather than I got to junk my offense, build this entire custom thing that doesn't exist anywhere else just for Taysom Hill because he's that special. Well, the other I mean, thing in all he? this is the cap situation. Breeze has essentially held them hostage to continue to push the yeah. cap forward. At some point, they need a cheaper option. Now, that's right? possible that like Taysom Hill is the only thing they can afford as that, a replacement. And... They're, remember their 2017 draft class, how spectacular they bring in Kamara, they bring in Ryan Ramchak, Marcus Williams. I mean, that was one of the best draft classes we've ever seen. Who am I? Uh, is Traquan in there, too? Or is he 28? He was 2018. Who am I missing? Uh, Hendrickson. No, so I'm missing somebody else from the 17 oh, class who okay. was awesome. I be- oh, Marshawn Lattimore. Oh, Lattimore. They brought in all those Marshall guys Bay. in the same draft. Like, they have to sign those guys at some point. They have no cap space. Sure. I mean, that also could just be the reasoning. It's like, we want to keep this core together. It's been the best roster that Peyton's had since the Super Bowl 10 years ago. They've had this three-year run, and at some point, they probably have to do it with, you know, a cheaper quarterback. I guess, ultimately, I don't really see the point, but I would love to see the Taysom Hill offense as a starter. I, yeah. I would love to see that. I think it could work, and I'd be, I'd be all for it. Dude, I love watching Taysom Hill play. It's fun. It's it's awesome. I also think that if he was the franchise quarterback, they should keep him covering kicks. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's that would definitely be the smartest way. And blocking to maximize his value. And blocking as a tight end. All right, we got to pick up steam here, but it's a great discussion with the Saints. Where are they going to go uh, this offseason? Atlanta Falcons. Their coverage unit has been a disaster since their Super Bowl run in 2016. Any defense, all of it. It's all defense. This is another place where it's like, man, edge defender has been this. They tried Vic Beasley. 
Tech McKinley. They tried all these guys. Um, Beasley's gone. Clay, Adrian Claiborne's a free agent, so free a pass rusher again, and just the entire secondary and coverage unit. The whole defense. I mean, they they have um, Brady Jarrett, and then they have Deion Jones, and that's basically it. I mean, even guys like Keanu Neal, who looked like he was completely proving us wrong years one or two, he hasn't basically not played the last two seasons. So you don't even know if you can bank on him going forward. They need defense across the board. Um, I don't like their offensive line was bad this year, but they we said all all season long. Don't expect two rookies to fix the problem in year one. Yeah, right. Year two maybe. Yeah. So linemen get better more than right. any other position. Lindstrom and McGarry might still come good in year two. I I mean that's a tough one as well. Like, can you bank on that, or do you have to take another swing at it already? You're kind of stuck with having to bank on it, and then if it doesn't pan out, you're really in trouble. I also wonder if defensively they need to just say, look, there's no way we can fix this talent in just a year and run this same cover one, cover three scheme that Dan Quinn knows that they've been running forever. Do they take a page out of like what the Colts did a couple years ago, what the Chiefs did this year? You play a little bit more mix it up type of zone I mean, to I think more a little and more, more two, four, six and I all think that more stuff. and more. That's the way the league's trending anyway, is that you can't really run any one thing anymore. You just got to have an insane level of talent, but I'm almost saying like, just take your shot with like more of a bend, but don't break defense because you just don't have the talent. You can continue to add talents to it. And we know the Colts can still evolve as they add talent to their defense. But for now, zone heavy, keep things in front of you, like hide your weaknesses. They might be in that spot right now in Atlanta mm-hmm. unless they make some serious upgrades. Tampa Bay Bucks, they need to figure out what to do with their quarterback first. You have to bring back Jameis, right? Like, but like on a long term deal or on a franchise tag? Franchise tag. I, I just want to see him in year two in the, in the Arians thing, right? You know. More than anybody that I have no faith in Jameis Winston ever putting that season Even together. Even you're all in. If it's going to happen, it's this year. You can't let it. You can't bail on it now. Like this is the one season it might actually happen. You can't. I and mean, he had LASIK surgery. He's fixed. You do have to. You do have to factor in LASIK. Yeah. The the last player I remember having LASIK surgery to fix everything was Troy Williamson. That didn't work. It didn't. No, it really didn't. Small now, sample size, but there's something to be. Uh, Glean from that. I mean, it's a data point. That's all I'm saying. Uh, make make of it what point. you will. But Troy Williamson had his eyes fixed and still couldn't catch a ball that was thrown right at his face. He starts throwing pinpoint lasers everywhere. He suddenly realizes what color the jersey the guy he's aiming at is wearing. Doesn't hit a linebacker again next year. This is the first time in a long time we're not saying the secondary for the Bucks. Yeah, they all came good last year. Uh, the back uh, end, anyway. I'm not saying it's fixed, but I do love where they went with Carlton Davis. Jamel Dean, those big monster corners. I've been a big believer that a Chris Harris would be a perfect complement to that. Those guys got a ton of pass breakups. Last they did. Season. They did. I think there's still more to add in that secondary man heavy scheme there with Todd Bowles and everything. I mean, they did a nice job on the back end. I'd still throw some resources, though. Always. Always and, uh, draft corner. Always be drafting corners. Always be drafting corners. That's the, the uh, What's that? That's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right? Carolina Panthers. 28 pass breakups between Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis alone. Yeah, and Dean didn't even start seeing serious time until week oh, dude, six, seven, eight, whatever 370 snaps in, in total. Right? Had that one game where he got run to the ground by DK Metcalf. And that was, was an ideal. A star, hmm. otherwise. Andy had three pass breakups in that game. Uh, Carolina Panthers, do they feel like they're in just the full rebuild mode right now? Uh, assuming Cam Newton is gone, yes. Trade Cam Newton. They might... They're either going to be looking for the next quarterback. Plus, but they're like rebuilding the front office as well. Like they're they're all in. I'm thinking the analytical spin coming from ownership all the way down 
has them in the full rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't hate it if they ended up in the first overall pick for Trevor Lawrence. They need everything except Christian McCaffrey because they already have him. They do have Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Everything else they need. And then if they're sticking to the analytics, it's going to be a long rebuild and they're going to let McCaffrey walk. They're never going to bring him back. Yeah, though McCaffrey... Does he break the rules for you? So that's the thing. McCaffrey is like the one running back in the NFL who might, might be... Le'Veon Bell was supposed to be that guy, right? But you have to use him that way. There's no point in like having that guy with a skill set and then just not making use of it. But that's the whole point. If I brought those guys in from the other room, that's kind of the whole point about why you don't want to invest in a running back. It's like, all right, we just signed Christian McCaffrey. Now we have to give him 120 targets I'm to not justify even saying, it. Uh, no, I don't think you need to do that, but you need to actually, you need to cause problems in a defense with his use, right? So you need to deploy sure. him as wide receiver. Agreed. You need to deploy him in the slot. You need to make him a problem for defenses every single snap. Whether you throw him the ball or not is irrelevant. Whether you're causing stress on a defense is what improves his value. So if you're going to sign a McCaffrey, it's because he's so good as a receiver that he can legitimately be like a top tier slot receiver as a position. If he never played running back again, you can line him up out wide every line. now and again. Like he can do all those things, but it's it's pointless if you don't ever use it. If you just be like, oh, we'll just move him around the backfield and throw him 100 targets. That's the whole thing with the with the value thing, too. Like if you put him in the Patriots offense and Brady's peppering him slot snaps and using him like a James White and everything, like, oh, you can get the value. But right. the big if is like when you have this quarterback who's accurate and does this and is, so like, the, is the best of all time, so of course, you get the value out of him. James White is a good example, right? Because in the past, James White has had like the highest war of any running back because he's such a devastating receiving weapon. Now, McCaffrey's a hell of a lot of a better runner than James White is. He and is. can do that at the same time. So if you actually use him like that, Ah, that might be worth paying for. Fair enough. I think it's a full rebuild in Carolina. Got to figure out that quarterback position first and then corner, especially James Brad- Bradbury's gone. And then there's not a whole lot coming back anyway. Plus, Keekley retired. So now you've got that Just, problem to fix. That's a huge hole from yes. a coverage standpoint. I mean, this genuinely, this, this team is in full rebuild. They need everything. Everything except Christian McCaffrey. Let's get to the NFC West. San Francisco 49ers on paper now. After what they just did, it doesn't look that bad, right? A year ago, we're like, hey, they need pass rushers. Solved. Mm-hmm. Hey, they need corners and all that stuff. They didn't make moves, but they sort progressed of. there. Yeah. They they deserve kudos because all offseason, people were saying they need to go after corners hard. And they spend the entire offseason saying, we are confident in the young players on this roster. We think they will develop and be better this year. Plus Richard Sherman. And they were right. They all were. of those guys improved this season. They They were right. Jimmy Ward, you know, he opens a hole at safety. He's coming off a career year heading into free agency. Could always add more depth on the interior of the O-line, wide receiver. But now, Kyle Shanahan's got them humming. They're feeling pretty good. But you can't you can't get into the situation. This was the Bears a couple years ago. This was the Jags a couple years ago. These teams coming off good years where you just look across the roster and it's like, I don't see a lot of holes. This is a solid roster. Although yeah. The Titans have been like this the last couple years. You have to continue attack to attack at the valuable positions. I would go back to the corner well and, and look for more players there. I mean, at the very minimum, Richie Sherman's not getting any younger. Like he's right. going to reach a, oh, no, a he's, problem at some point. He's going to call you out for that. I know. Yeah. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is free agent. He made a notable difference to the offense when he came on. So you need to either re-sign him or replace that. Um, yeah, I, I think those are the two spots: corner and, and receiver. Let's move to the Seattle Seahawks. This is great. Several offensive linemen mm. is what we said here. So the Russell Wilson has time in the pocket. 
yeah, all of the time they need offensive linemen because they're not good. They're uh, not good. They also he, really shouldn't re-sign Jermaine Effetti, who people keep thinking that's like a thing they should do. No. He's like... Um, not good. Donovan Smith. Yeah, bad. In Tampa Bay. It's like four years of bad. Right. But some improvement. Yeah, I'll sign Smith. up to that again. Voluntarily. What? No. Like, if you, you get... You drafted him, right? That was an error in judgment, and you're paying for it. When you get a chance to get out from under it, don't compound it by doing it again for more money. Like, what the hell? That's ridiculous. So don't re-sign him. Maybe draft his replacement, who will be cheaper and probably better. I got to go back and run the numbers on this, but I do think, like, they added Dwayne Brown a couple years ago, and that did make a, make a huge difference, just like Larry Tunsil made a huge Monster difference with the difference. Texans. I think you can creep back toward average with one guy, if he's that much better. Like, if you're going from George Fant... yes. Or Julian Davenport, mm-hmm. guys who are some of the worst left tackle play we've ever seen, and you get a top ten pass protector. Needle move. You're, you've immediately gone from one of the worst to at least middle of the pack. Dwayne Brown kind of did that for them a couple of years ago, but he's been banged up, and you know the rest of the line is has been pretty poor. So the line is always a, pl- a concern. I also think defensively, they just have not had that same pass rush that they had during their great run. No, I think I agree. That that's definitely a spot they. They lost a huge amount, particularly when Cliff uh, Cliff Averill yeah. w- w- disappeared or that departed. pure speed rusher. Right, he in particular, the guy that could just get consistent pressure every single game, was it was a huge loss. They never replaced that. When when Frank Clark was their third best pass rusher, when he was their number three, I mean that's that's what that's what the Niners are doing right now. Right, is having that you know four and five deep getting after the quarterback. So I think that's another place where. Seattle needs to continue to attack and a cornerback again. And others, I know uh, Shaquille Griffin had the nice season and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but he's kind of been up and down and so far in his him, career. There is nothing. So. And opposite him has been nothing. So I think corner has also just been a huge issue there. Those are some key spots yeah. for Seattle. The numbers suggest they were much closer to a 500 team than their record would they have. really I mean Russell Wilson is the reason they were halfway decent this season without him having an MVP caliber season Ooh, they caliber. would have sucked you saying he's better than Lamar is that what you're trying I'm saying I would have given him MVP Los Angeles Rams oh lineman their, their roster's in a tough spot in a weird spot right now because they've got no first round picks for the next 10 years huh the Rams that feels like a problem yeah yeah they need quite a lot the O-line is bad. Just disappeared this year. It did, though. It Complete got, got a bit better late in the year when their when their young players started to play. They got forced into playing these guys. Yeah, they kind of they fell. a little bit better. The other thing is, like, what the hell happened to Rob Havenstein? Is yeah. that is he broken from for now and evermore, or does he come back to being like one of the better right tackles in the NFL? Because that would make a pretty big impact. That's where it's like really tough. Again, from like a team building standpoint, when it's like, all right, right, here's my expectation for this guy based off everything I know, and all of a sudden he, you know, falls off a cliff. I had one of the better players in his position in the year NFL, four. and then he suddenly became one of the worst last year. Right, and now I have no idea what he is. And he and he was a guy that we said, look, the schemes kind of protect him a little bit. I don't know if you want him on an island pass protecting or anything. But the scheme didn't change. Right. It was the same system. It's not like you put him into a new system where it's like, hey, go pass protect by yourself on an island. There was no earthly explanation for his drop off, but it was monstrous and crippling. Either way, the offensive line was a big part of Jared Goff's regression facing the most pressure he saw since his rookie season. Played like it. So that was a big issue. And then we always come back to edge defender. They've always had Aaron Donald. He's all, you know, he's going to create havoc. 
on the interior, new they, defensive system, are they going to rely on their edges a little bit more? They would have the same kind of transformative effect if they found some edge rushers as the 49ers had this year, right? They get so much pressure up the middle because of Aaron Donald, and nobody is there to take advantage of it around the edge. So it diminishes the impact of that pressure because the quarterback can just roll the hell out of there right. and escape. If you have edge rushers that stop that happening, like look at the amount of, like look at the impact that DeForest Buckner's pressure has this year compared to the previous years, right? It's like he, he disrupts the middle and suddenly the quarterback is screwed because Bosa and D Ford or Eric Armstead are coming around the edge. Someone else is winning. And he's got nowhere to go. He's just, he's buried. If you got an edge rusher that could do that for Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald would immediately look like the best player in the NFL again, which he is. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, Dante Fowler was a guy that had a bunch of those cleanup sacks. Right. It took so he advantage, had, but it wasn't yeah. because he was necessarily dominating off the edge. He got that. made to look better by the fact that that happened, but he didn't have the same impact as a Nick Bosa who's winning in and of himself and therefore causing, like, compounding the, the pressure inside. Right. So it's an, an edge defender and linebacker now. Because um, Littleton. Before Corey Littleton emerged, it was like, man, linebacker's a really big issue. Then Littleton emerges. He develops really nice, becomes one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL, but he's a free agent. So. Mm-hmm. The same two positions we keep saying for the Rams and then that offensive line getting rejuvenated. Also probably draft a quarterback. What? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Jared Goff's very good. Wow. Also, he still doesn't know where the sun rises. That's a problem for me. Why do you just always go back to that? I mean, I'm sure he's learned. Has he? Point. Has he? I don't know. We'll call Zach and find out. He hasn't learned how to stop throwing the ball to defenders. Why, what makes you think he's learned where the sun rises? Reasons for that, Sam. I'm just saying, look, I, I'm... I'm big into the idea that if you don't know something my six-year-old knows, I don't want you starting quarterback for my team. Ever? No. I don't want it. Huh. Don't want it. If right. Scout can beat you in a general knowledge test, you shouldn't be starting quarterback for an she NFL She wouldn't team. beat him in like the general knowledge test. Wouldn't she? I mean, Scout's pretty sharp. I'll throw Harry in there. Harry's got some, some skills now. Just making up new words every day. Four years old. Making them up? But watch out. Oh, okay. We're just coming up with words we didn't know we knew. Ah, well, that's, that's different. Yeah. That's fun. All right, let's round it out. NFC West, Arizona Cardinals. Coverage across the board is what we said. I think that's fair. Sure. O-line, uh, receiver. Receiver's big. Again, it's like how much did the investment last year help this year? Hakeem Butler, red shirt. Andy Isabella, pretty Effectively much a red shirt. A red shirt. Yeah. yeah, so, and you know, Larry Fitzgerald is not getting any younger. So there's a lot you need to... They need receiving help desperately for Kyler Murray, but how much will they be expecting the guys they drafted a year ago to make that receiving help this year? I I mean, I think there's a reasonable chance they're going to give those guys a chance. I think given the strength of this draft class, you should still at least take one reasonably high you know, draft pick. Plus, you run more wide, wide, wide receivers than anybody else, so take another one. I think a fair question here, if you're the Cardinals, what's the best path to take? This offense... Without great talent, right? I mean, think about how bad their offensive line was for the two years leading up to Cliff Kingsbury taking Mm -hmm. over. Josh Rosen and Sam Bradford just getting destroyed. Remember Sam Bradford was taking snaps for the Cardinals in 2018? Poor guy. That was one season ago. Think about how bad that line was. They had no weapons. And they made this offense pretty reasonable in one year, right? It's also a perfect example of how quarterback and scheme affects the pass blocking. You can make them look better immediately just by changing what you're doing. So if you're the Cardinals or if you're Kingsbury or Steve Kime here, would you say, look, we can stitch this together offensively. Kyler Murray can create some offense. We don't need the best playmakers. Just look at this turnaround we had. We're going to attack all defensively first, build the defense up, and then 
circle back and replace Fitzgerald in a couple of years and all that stuff. No, I might do that with the offensive line and say that can wait if I get better receivers and the defense and blah, blah, blah. I think you need to give, you have a quarterback who you think is going to be the future and the next great thing. You need to give that guy weapons to succeed with. You can't ask him to go out there with Larry Fitzgerald at 125 years old and then a bunch of guys you don't trust to run routes and say, get it done. That's just harsh. It's unfair. You need to supply that guy with weapons. And if you didn't get them last year, if you swung and missed in the draft, try again. Go again until you have them. Build a defense. The offensive line can wait because we're going to get the ball out of our hands quick. We are going to get separation. The quarterback's going to have somewhere to go with the ball. And if he even can't do that, he can run. But so this, the O-line's okay. We can park that yeah, for a I while. Get that. Yeah, I, I agree with but that. But we part. need receivers. They might look at the receivers like the Niners looked at their secondary last year and said, all right, just give them that. Give them the second year. That's what year. I'm saying. Give them more Isabella. Give them more Hakeem Butler. They might have to. Sean Johnson. You got Christian Kirk. Hmm. He's a good complimentary guy. Look, I, th- I don't see there's any reason that Andy Isabella couldn't be, you know, a Ted Ginn, Devery Henderson designated deep threat for an offense. But you need yeah. to actually play him that way for that to happen. Something Otherwise, must have been up for him not to be impressing them enough to just be a don't gimmick know guy. that they know that's what he should be. I thought in preseason, so many people in preseason, look, you saw the negatives, but he would just get behind the defense in preseason out of slots, um, slot fades and all that stuff. Doesn't feel that tough to incorporate it. I just think there were so many people misreading what he is fundamentally. Put him as a draft prospect that I, it wouldn't shock me if his own team thought the same thing. It's like, why is this guy so bad at all these slot routes we're expecting to run? Right. That's because he's not a slot receiver. And then the other problem he's is... He's a Russian pencil. Yes. There's a reasonable chance as well that the concerns I had about him in terms of the draft are real, right? That the guy really struggles dealing with any kind of physicality, press coverage, yeah. contact within uh, yeah, the route. Yeah, we saw that. I and think. at that point, now you're talking about a vertical slot only, which is, I mean, in a way, is a really nice matchup problem to have. But if that's all you can do... Now we start to get into, all right, this is kind of awkward to integrate into the offense. That was like what Philip Dorsett did with the Patriots. Like if you're the third or fourth guy, right. and every now and again you get behind the defense or run a deep out because people have to respect your speed, it's a nice complimentary piece, yeah. but it's not a good number two. Right, and it's really it's, it becomes a pain in the ass to, to like incorporate as to a decent part of your offense, right? It's like, right. no, look, we need a guy who's out there every single snap being a difference maker. You or someone we think might be able to be a specific role player, and it's a pain in the ass to create an offense around that. So you're just going to have to take a ticket and wait. Yeah, I'm going to be real fascinated to see what uh, Arizona does this offseason. The whole rebuild continues there. So that'll do it, man. Made it through every team. Nice. AFC team needs. Did it on Monday. NFC team needs. We got through it. Let us know what you think your team needs most. Yes. Also, if you're a... If you're a hashtag recline or no recline, because that's that's capturing the world's attention right now, Steve. Oh, God. You know what else is capturing the world's attention? No. Our live show Ah. in Indianapolis. Yes. If you're going to be in and around Indianapolis or even in the same country. Country. Wow. Okay. Right. If you're in the U.S., you should probably make the trek to the combine. We'll have more details soon, hopefully by Monday. But we're going to go live. PFF live show. At the Combine, some special guests. We're trying to get it all lined up. 99.9% sure this is all happening. Yeah, I'm about to sign the contract as soon as we finish this. Oh, uh, so we'll probably have to do it. Yeah, yeah. So at that point, we have to do it or burn a lot of money. So there will be a live show. Be sure to follow us. We'll uh, 
We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to really push this thing. There will be a live show. People. There will be some special guests. We cannot confirm who they are right now because of circumstances outside of our control. What happens in the business? We can't confirm anything. But they're big, big guests, and our people are working with their people, and there's a lot of work. A lot of people happening. And don't forget these shirts from Proper Cloth. We're wearing them. This is my favorite one again. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's freezing in here, and this one keeps me. I wore this one on the herd today. You were on the herd. Yeah. Proper Cloth made it on the herd. They did. You guys can get Proper Cloth as well. Propercloth.com slash PFF, PFF20. Get you $20 off your first purchase. Shirts as low as $80. Yes. Shirts that fit. $80 to the $80 before the discount. Before, so yeah. As low as $60. It's good math there, Sam. Thank you. That's why we're here at PFF. That's, that's why I'm an analytics guy. Very mathy of you. We got a hard out. I got radio in a minute and a half. Okay. So music's playing. We're out. It is. See you Don't. guys Monday for more PFF NFL podcast. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.